Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Brothers Grimdark again. I'm Alan, and I'm Henry. In the new year, yes, in the new year that happened. That'll only really be relevant the day this goes up because no one will care anymore. Bum bada bum bum bada bum bum. Such as the excitement, it's palatable. It is palatable. <laughs> right. Anyway, we have topics to discuss. We actually have a list of things we're going to work our way through, escalating in theme and relevance. That's a dangerous accusation. I don't think we've ever been relevant towards anything. Yes, we will we'll be. I've we'll never been, quote unquote, on the scene, as it were. But he had, no. Um, the basically. If you will. Uh, we're going to be discussing stuff like faction play styles and differences between the uh, factions, the way they play and their law. Because I think we've mentioned it before, we most likely have. Um, but we're going to go into a bit more detail this week. As is, before we do that, I believe you very much more so than me, although I still want to talk about it, want to briefly mention War Machine. Yes, I do. Thank you for leading me in with that. I want to talk about War Machine, and I want to talk about a 4K player playing the game of War Machine. I'm guessing there's a 40k player because your voice roboted out during the 40k. Roboted. If you haven't guessed already, we are now hundreds of miles away again with shitey internet. So there might be dropouts, latency, whatever. We will press on, press the attack. Honestly, at this point, we're both members of the AdMech trying to piece together this ancient piece of technology that no longer works. But if we keep praying and lighting candles, it kind of does. Yeah, I, I do not hold out hopes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what happens. Whenever my voice goes ro robotic, it's just been Harak chanting. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. Damn straight. So I want to talk about War Machine. Why do I want to talk about War Machine? Because War Machine is a game, a board game. It's another tabletop miniatures. Um, it's another tabletop. Tactics type game. Well, more of a skirmish game, so it's, it's smaller scale. It's a battle simulator. Uh, it's kind of set in the age of magic and steampunkian war machines or war jacks as they're called they're like sort of large automata think like dreadnoughts sort of sort of um war machine is very much purported as the balanced tabletop game infinity okay infinity as well infinity and war machine i think infinity is the most balanced allegedly yeah, it, i haven't played infinity. Me, like reputed alan will dabble with that Something. yeah he will dip his foot in the waters certainly will the Infinity Pool, if you will, which I think is a very generic name for like a, a spa pool or something. It turns up everywhere. I don't know. That's how, a how many layers That's... of irrelevance are we on now? Like, <laughs> we went People down. need to know. People need to know. That's a bit of general knowledge. Welcome to the irrelevance hole. Its occupants, the Brothers Grimdark podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, if you're looking for general trivia, <laughs> just. Swing this is a general by. trivia. This is meant to be a 40k podcast. This is a 40k podcast because <laughs> we're talking about its competitors, right? Okay. Okay. War Machine is a very, very small competitor to 40k. 40k has the whole market. Like, there's there's a big pie, but the pie is mostly the color of GW, right? Okay. And there's a tiny slice of it which is War Machine. Yeah. Um, a small, passionate community that exists there, and we played it. We've we've delved. We've got a few kits of War Machine, yeah. a couple of the starter kits. The starter kits, by the way, comparing it to um, a start collecting of 40k, the starter kits are way better. Well, yeah, way a better. Start, a start collecting, you get your models and the instructions for them. There you go. Like, and I, admittedly, I some would of the say that, edition, to be fair. 
Whereas uh, War Machines just goes, okay, here's your models, here's the rules, have some dice, have some tokens that you'll need, have a, a battle map, have the full set of rules, which is actually more than eight pages, which was interesting. Um, what else was in there? There's a measuring stick thing to go with it as measuring well. Measuring stick, there's dice, um, there's like a guide to your specific faction, so you'd have like a little book that says all about the orcs and like how to paint the orcs. Yeah, painting tips. It's like a little stuff. Like it, and value for money. It's just over um, half price of the GW1. Obviously, the models are a different scale, and it's you know you can't compare model for model. Yeah, no. But just in terms of like what you get and you know getting you into the hobby, and I think that's something that the start collecting boxes could do a little bit better because at the minute the start collecting boxes are basically a way to cheat out a larger army. So if you look at the Tau start collecting, it's forty pounds, forty five pounds for three crisis suits, or it's fifty pounds. For the crisis suits, fire warriors, and an ethereal. Yeah, which is fantastic. And that's why you get the start collecting primarily, just to cheat out bigger armies. But for yeah. someone just trying to get into the into the game of forty k, like say for example, um, you know, it, it's for a friend. Like you want to introduce a friend to forty k, and you want to kind of point them in the direction uh, which they should be going in to kind of get into it. I mean, box. Yes, it, it's good. But but considering you don't have any rules with it, you yeah, can't you do, just you do have the rules for your guys. You, you have the rules for you guys, them. but you don't have the rules for the game. Yeah, which yeah. is the big problem. Um, whereas I would really like it if they gave you just you know there's like the little uh, printout sheet they did, which was beautiful with the um, Dark Imperium box set. It's like a, the eight page rule, the eight pages that was sort and of also in everywhere. Forgebane. And also in Forgebane. Let's not forget the greatest value box set <laughs> of all time. Forgebane. Yeah, it'd be really awesome if they could just slide one of those little booklets in with each start yeah. collecting. And I know a lot of people would be like, oh, yeah, but then I have all these booklets. Yes, okay, you have a lot of booklets now. But at least those those early players, you know, two guys walk into a shop, they like the look of the game, what do I buy? Well, they'll they probably say buy Forgebane or buy whatever. <laughs> um, but let's say you like Space Wolves. You want to get Space Wolves, you don't want to get Space Marines or... Whatever. Space Wolves are a bad example. Space, are a, Space Wolves are a bad example. They yes, do come in a start kit with I had Steelers. Space on the brain. Look, <laughs> say it's Dark Elder. Um, say it's Dark Elder. They want to get Dark Elder, uh, and the other guy want to get wants to get Orcs. You know, then you've got to buy the rule book and buy the, both of the start collectings. You know, and you've got to buy the dice. Let's not forget, War Machine also gives you some dice to get dice, going. Dice, tape measure. Yeah, it's, it's like a flimsy, like plastic. Um, you know, very flexible. It's just a strip of plastic, basically. It's, it's cheap, but it's effective. Yeah, for, for getting someone into a hobby, it's very nice to have these materials available to them. Because with the whole me living because hundreds it... of miles away right now, I don't actually have most of the stuff to play 40k with me. Like, I've got some stuff for assembly, and I'm trying to build up an army while I'm up here. But I have to go out and get a new tape measure. I have to go out and get some more dice. I don't have to get yeah. a battle map, but it'd be nice to. I have no terrain. Like, if I were to play a game, if I were to get, like, one of my friends who does 40k, the, the joke here being I have friends, I would have to do the good old, <laughs> this box represents a building type game. Because I just haven't got the stuff. Well, see, I don't mind doing the whole box represents the no, building. It, there's nothing wrong they, with That's that. what we did. That's what we did when we first started out. Yeah. They're just boxes and bits of card or whatever they represented <laughs> Or it. let's play on a great big enormous table with 500 points each. <laughs> take all afternoon to get close to each other. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so, so War Machine gives you a lot better start into the hobby. Hello? Yeah, I'm still here. Keep going. Okay, okay. My Discord has just died. That's how we communicate. Um, so War Machine's start is very, very good. I very, you know, really do like it. It also has like a brilliant little introductory booklet where it gets you to play out certain scenarios, which just teach you how to like move your models, roll the dice, which is so basic. Um, but again, I, I don't think 40k really has that. 40k kind of has like a just jump in at the deep end. Yeah. Like yeah. if you read through the rulebook, it doesn't say, okay, try this mission type first. Whereas they used to. The rulebooks well, used to have these. Interestingly enough, they do still have that, but it's only present in the larger sets. When you get like the, um, the like, what was it, 95 pound sets like Forgebane or uh, Imperial versus Eldar or the Space Wolves versus Gene Stealers. When you get those yeah. sets, they they come with that usually start off with a smaller selection of models that keeps it controllable and kind of just helps you not get overwhelmed yeah yeah um, and i think that's that's something definitely in war machine's favor and something that gw could be looking at i'm not a game designer i'm not a company person of gw or whatever but that, that would be a real big positive in my mind one thing though i will say for eighth edition over war machine we when we played our first game how long did we spend playing it and how long did we spend checking things in the rules that's a very good point to mention yeah simply because we love rules oh no we we do love we, complexity and interesting systems interacting we love that stuff is he there yep yeah, yeah, we we love that stuff but um it does have the issue of slowing down the game a lot. It definitely slows down the game. But don't forget, like this is the first game you're playing, and we decided to play with all the rules. And it's complicated. Which it's it, complicated. This is, it's not necessarily bad in of its own right, but it, it does raise the issue of um, complexity being a barrier to playing the game. Whereas 8th edition, as much as it is simplified, and as much as we miss some of the more complex elements, at the very least, if you... It's a lot easier to bash out a game. Yes. However, my, my counter-argument there would be once you have a handle of the rules, you're fine. So uh, a, a large complaint lobbied uh, against um, GW and 4th, 5th, and 6th edition, and 7th, let's be fair, was that the game was so complex that people simply couldn't play it, right? And that, that was the complaint that was touted everywhere. And that's simply just... It, not the case it is not the case everyone could play the game uh and to say that people couldn't play the game is just insulting to everyone the barrier to entry is much higher though yes like, well there's... that that's the thing but the argument wasn't that the barrier to entry was too high it was that people simply couldn't play the game because it was too complicated oh in that case that i just laugh at them but <laughs> yeah but you know there was millions of us millions of us that could play the game and yeah okay it definitely was complicated there's definitely a lot of rules going on but I think the difficulty with complicated games is it's fine when you have a handle on it. When you've got a handle on it and you play it regularly, it's yeah. when you stop playing it. Like, I seem to remember, um, I, it wasn't 40k. It was a game that you and I played. It was a board game, separate board game, quite complicated. And every single time, we left it just the right length of time, because it was a very complicated game, where we would have to look at the rules every time we started it. It'd be like, I oh, vaguely remember what it was, but like I can't remember the rules specifically. So then 
every single time you sat down to play the game, you would spend an hour with your nose in a rule book. The best example of this is uh, Twilight Struggle, which is a board game that was the best board game of all time for quite a while, mainly because everyone said it was the best board game of all time. The issue was, is you've had to have played a game of it to understand it, maybe two or three, for, to understand it fully. Yeah. Um, and I've played one game of it in my life. It was fantastic. I didn't quite know what was going on, but it was really fucking good. I own it. I haven't played it since because I know I will have to go back, relearn everything, what's more, introduce someone else to it. Both of us look at the rules for quite some time going, um, how does this work again? Yeah. And that's actually a lot like the computer game Crusader Kings for me. Crusader Kings has like an hour and 20 minute tutorial on YouTube before you can play the game. And even then you're like, you're super wobbly. You're basically Bambi on ice when you're playing the game. They basically say this is a game where you can be a really you're a king in a really in depth like political simulator and like full like potential conquest of Europe or the world if you're really good at it and want to do a bunch of stuff. But watch this huge introduction, do a bunch of tutorials, and then play it as a small count somewhere really unimportant. Yeah, just to get a handle on how to play. Yeah. So I did that, and I've done that twice. I've done the hour and twenty minute tutorial twice because I put it down. I was like, I'm not really getting anywhere with this game. It's so fucking complicated. I didn't really see that my actions had any consequences either way, so I just started marrying people off left, right, and center. Um, <laughs> don't know what it did, but I was doing it. You married people. They had fun. I married they're, people. They were great. Yeah. They were, they were happy. Make, make it a baby. Make it a baby. Make me an heir. Anyway, um, and I put the game down, and I tried to pick it up again. I was like, you know what? I haven't been fed to this game. It's won all the awards. Let's pick it up again. Everyone says it's amazing. Fuck, it's an hour and 20 minute tutorial. <laughs> Fuck everything. <laughs> and then you sit through it. And then, especially if you do the hour and 20 minute tutorial. And I definitely have it with some games where there is like a, there's an adjustment period, right? It's like with 40k, this didn't happen because I loved 40k from the start. It was metal as fuck. Battle of McCrag. Gene Steelers versus Space Marines. It had everything. I fucking loved it from the outset. Other games definitely have like an adjustment period where you don't really like the game, but then you love it. Example we give is Dota 2. Oh, Dota 2, I had yeah. to play about 90 hours of the game before I decided <laughs> that I actually loved it. Uh, which Dota is mad. Is like the one example I will give of... Because generally, whenever it comes to an acquired taste or it takes a lot of effort to make you like it, I usually say that in that case it's bollocks and it's Stockholm Syndrome. Dota 2 is the only example, which I'll Dota say 2. it's worth it. Unless we've fallen for the Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> I think we have. Also, that's a case whereby when people say it was too complicated to play 40k, I would argue Dota 2 is bonkers complicated yes dota 2 is way more complicated simply because it it delves into the realms of like percentages it's at the point where experts on the topic will legitimately during their videos trying to explain it say that oh i'm no longer sure quite how that interaction works like i have the vague idea of how the armor functions but i don't know the exact calculation yeah it's a lot of like exponential graphs and all that sort of stuff dealing with infinities like "Mm." (laughs) Cool, but yeah. So uh, you know, not to not to run forty k down. Forty k was complicated as balls, but that's just how we liked it. Um, anyway, we are wildly off topic. We're wildly off topic. Any- so War Machine, yes, War Machine. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yep. Uh, it's it felt a lot like chess, 
but with okay so in both you, star collecting you haven't kit, played very much chess i've not played a lot of chess but it felt like, it felt like <laughs> what what little i've played um both armies both boxes so alan, alan bought a kit i bought a kit uh they both have a big bad guy if you like they got like one spellcaster each which is your commander which you have to keep safe if you lose the commander you lose the game which is like the king yep um you then have like some smaller griblies in the way, which could be like, you know, knights, bishops, canterbury's, whatever. Um, and then you just had the big bads. And it kind of came down to whichever big bad won. Like whoever had their big bad remaining was the winner. Yeah, because it, it didn't help that the, the factions we have um, don't really line up perfectly against oh, yeah, each no, other. Like the, interestingly enough, with this game, like when it comes to the start collectings for 40k, they're not inherently balanced. They don't no. try to be. Um, whereas for this game, they actually tried to balance the start collectings against each other so that if you were to start playing the game and you and a friend got this, you'd have a fair bit of fun facing each other. And we ended up getting... Um, you got a faction based around synergy, albeit this is at a points level where the synergy doesn't come into it because it's too small. And I went for There's faction, actually... which is... There's um, zero synergistic elements in my army. It's an army all about synergy, but these are just four units which aren't synergistic. Exactly. And mine are... It turns out they're the glass cannons, where if they don't win turn one or two, they're fucked. Which may have been a mistake on our part. But anyway. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we played it properly, but I had I had a blast doing it. Yeah, um, What can I say that's nice to see in War Machine and not in 40k? Well... War Machine uh, has fixed charge ranges. And that's a big plus in my eyes. Because for someone like me, I'm not very good at rolling dice. I haven't got that talent. So when it comes to the random charge 2d6, <laughs> there's like there's a massive amount of variables in that 2d6. <laughs> like, for example, I could declare a 12-inch charge and make it, Right. Or, as you've done recently, you failed a 5-inch charge, a 4-inch charge, 2d6, and re-rolling. And re-rolling, with well, here we go. You know, so I'm quite talented at, at fucking up. And the one thing that's really nice about the reliable charge ranges is that both sides of the of the table know the score. Yeah, example, so you know you've each got a side's unit of, threat ranges. Yeah. Let's say, for example, you've got a unit of Fire Warriors, right? I've got a unit of 10 Chopper Boys... If I make that 12-inch charge, so let's say I do declare it on the 12-inch line, and I make that long bomb, that could be game-changing. So let's say it's Meganobs versus Knight. If the Meganobs make the charge, they're going to kill the Knight. That's a 12-inch charge. And I definitely think with 8th edition and 7th edition, there was way too much... Like they increased the amount of random chance in the game because they thought, oh yeah, that's what players like. They don't like rules that back up the thematics. They prefer random chance. And random chance is fun because it's like gambling and we all love to gamble. <laughs> I'm joking, don't gamble. Um, hello? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm still here. I, I have nothing to say other than okay. says the person who's never been to the casino. I have, on the other hand, don't gamble. I don't want to go into casino. They're crap. Yeah. They're crap. You can tell by looking at them that they're crap and they take money off of oh, you. Oh, no. I've, I've been into the dumbest and shadiest looking casino you could have found. Yeah. And, yeah. 
Long story um, short, I, I'm missing a kidney. But I gained the respect of the Mafia. Right. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a story for another time. Um, Look, yes, wait, 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 basically you're complaining that there's a prevalence of RNG in 8th edition. I would argue that RNG isn't inherently a problem. It's yeah, no, 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 no. I, 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 I'm saying, you know, yes, same thing. The whole system is based off of RNG, right? Yeah. Which is random number generation or generator, depending on the, the fucking subject matter. Um, but I think the big problem is that they got rid of some of the the fluffier, more narrative rules and just replaced it with a D6, right? Such as? Such as, and this is the nice parallel with War Machine, because War Machine has vehicle damage. What do I mean by that? I mean different aspects of your your walker, your dreadnought, if you like, can be damaged. So let's say he's got a um, dreadnought close combat weapon and assault cannon. Well, you know, an attack might damage him, destroy his assault cannon, or it might destroy his fist, or it might um, immobilize him, you know, vehicle immobilized so they can't move anymore. And we used to have that in the damage table for 40k, for those of you that don't remember or those of you that weren't here. Uh, and it was really awesome. And it was really super fluffy. And I think 40k definitely wins out in this aspect versus War Machine. Because War Machine, the way that your vehicles get damaged is like it's numbers versus the table, similar to 8th, you know, in a way that you have thresholds and then suddenly the, the item is destroyed. Whereas in uh, 40k Classic, as I'll call it, like 4th, 5th, um, you roll a d6 on the table, and the table would tell you what the result is. And then it might be weapon destroyed, vehicle immobilized, vehicle wrecked, vehicle explodes, crew shaken, crew stunned. Those are the different options. Um, and it was really fun, because you'd have examples where, say, for example, you've got Lehman Rust in the middle of the table. It's a Tyranid swarm coming forwards. It gets immobilized. Its main battle cannon gets destroyed. So suddenly it's just a las cannon toting... Uh, two heavy bolter pillbox in the middle as you desperately try and hold the, the horde back as just more guns get dragged offline as they're damaged by the, the chitinous, kittenous, chitinous hordes, however so, you want to pronounce it. There is the slight issue with those kind of systems, though, whereby, in that example, the Lehman Russ gets its weapons destroyed and it's just a walking pillbox that doesn't do anything. Yeah, and, and the big problem there was that if you, say, took a Vindicator, Vindicator tanks have the big demolish cannon back then it was very very good uh you could also take two storm bolters on top and you always took the two storm bolters because if you roll the vehicle uh sorry the weapon destroyed a result you then randomly determine which weapon it is so you roll a d6 no you didn't so, yes you did because you did. if you originally it used to be the owner picks yeah. then it changed to you roll a d6 oh it did god change. and yeah anyway and that was that was fifth edition anyway and the demolisher cannon Obviously, it's the big one you want to keep up. And the difference between taking a Storm Bolter or the Demolisher Cannon offline was huge. So, yes, there was a lot of variance, and it didn't really do much for balance. Like, I definitely think it was a negative for balance, but it was certainly a lot of fun from a narrative point of view. You know, when you've got, like, a a vehicle-heavy um, list, you know, where they're sort of limping along with different bits wrong with them, but you carry the day, you know, that sort of stuff. Really cool. Um yeah, War Machine has that vehicle damage and the reliable charge range. And again, Necromunda, Necromunda has more uh, similar to War Machine. It's like the middle ground because it's your movement range plus D3. So there's that little bit of random chance, but it's not that much. 
So it'd be like six inches plus D3 or five inches plus D3. Yeah, there's not a huge amount of variance, whereas in 40k it's 2d6. And that could be an awful large amount of the effectiveness of that unit determined by a 2d6 dice roll. Yeah, it could be the game or not. And how many battle reports do you see, or how many battles are you in when that one charge could make all the difference? And it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. And then you have the, the counter, which is true. Which is um, that's just part know, of the skill of the game. Well, yeah, it's part of the skill of the game. And say you're the fire warriors, and you know that your opponent can go twelve inches with the charge. You just deploy beyond that twelve inches, and then people say, "Oh, you make charges worse, but you can balance the game other ways." Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to go too much further on War Machine because we are. <laughs> no, no, it's to... only been twenty-five minutes. <laughs> yeah, but it, a lot of forty k mixed in. Um, yeah, I'd definitely say that the game systems are different enough that I could play both War Machine and 40k. I don't think they overlap. I don't think there's a circumstance where I say, oh, I prefer 40k here, because they're very different beasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very different. And I love the lore and the fluff of 40k, and I actually quite like the fluff of War Machine as well. It's not as good as 40k, because 40k is an absolute bonanza. It's a car boot sale of lore. It's, it's beautiful. It's a car boot sale of lore, but most of it you don't want. I, okay, that's a little no, harsh. There's elements. No, know. no, no. 40k has amazing law. It does have amazing law. I, I can think of a certain individual we often yes. complain about. All right. There is there is a, a rogue element, <laughs> certainly, <laughs> with the writers. Some of the writers are pretty rubbish. But the law itself, like, you look at the baseline of just Space Marines, Orcs, Tau, Eldar. You know, look at the races. Look at the baseline that you're working with. They're awesome. They're fucking awesome. Each individual race is fucking awesome. It's a metal as fuck setting. Though speaking of the different races, what was our first topic? Are we going straight to yeah? Okay. Well, yeah. This seems um, like a good time to segue. 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 Oh, well, hey. Into Shazo the segue. Uh, well, I mean, we have player behavior, but maybe we'll save that for another episode because now we're we're going to go onto the themes. I think. Well, I don't know. Play, we... It's quite. It'll take though. too long. We'll never play, get. Player behavior is quite funny, though. It really is quite funny. It is quite funny. We'll do it. Oh god. When, when else? When are we ever going to fit this in again? All right. Well, we'll, we'll have to do it after the future we've got planned. All right. All right. And we'll all get right, to fine. that future we've fine, got planned later fine, on. Fine. Faction stuff. Faction things. Faction things. What can we say about the factions? Okay. Basically, it's their expected play style versus the play style which actually sees. Uh, good results, especially at tournaments, that kind of thing. So the optimal way to play compared to the fluffy way to play. And that a lot of factions have enormous problems in yeah. that these two things are extremely different. And this is possibly one of the other biggest barriers when it comes into new people getting into the wargaming side of the hobby. Is the fact that they will read the fluff or like the artwork or whatever and sort of build the army around that, around the things they love. And then they play the game, and it's well, that just doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, there's, and it, it's quite upsetting in a way for some of the armies because a few of the like the flagship units are pretty bad. Tactical Marines, Tactical Marines, Baal Predators, <laughs> uh, Jump Marines. You know, they, they're definitely <laughs> struggling. Um, and just if you if you go through every faction, there's quite a few units which are you know, very popular, or they're used in a lot of the promotional material, maybe they're used in the Dawn of War games, and they're just rubbish. They're just maybe, rubbish. Maybe the they're game. crisis suits. 
maybe the mm, exactly crisis suits you know crisis suits are the poster boys for the tau yet for eighth edition for the longest time they're absolute fucking balls they were dog shite i mean they've got not points dog reduction. Shite, they're just bad yeah they're not a complete you know pile of poo but they are certainly smelling of poo you know they're not out of the woods yet they're still in shit territory basically although uh... you... and uh, hold on I, I just think the difficulty here is that if you're a new player new guy you come into the shop oh i've seen tactical marines before i've played the the space marine uh xbox game or playstation game i want to play the tactical marines i want to buy a whole load of tactical marines because they're the unit i like that's that's how i want the army to look you're going to find it really difficult when you come to playing the games. And I definitely find it in, in of myself when I have to speak to new players getting into the game and they really, really, really like a unit. But the unit is absolutely terrible. And I've seen the look in, in, in people's faces, you know, when they have a unit that they really like and it's terrible on the table. You know, they're crestfallen. It's just, it's depressing to see. It's not a lot of fun. You know, it's like, oh, my guy's got to close combat. What do they do? Not a lot. Pillow they fight. don't do a lot. Yeah, it's a pillow fight. You have to kind of tell new players, no, 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 don't get that. Get this. Because it's all money. You know, you don't have a, an unlimited supply. You know, most people, you can only get like one box every couple of weeks, you know, depending on what you want to do with your money. I don't know. You you do you. But it's it's not like you can just buy a whole new army off, off the, the cuff, you know, like, oh, this is rubbish, I'll just buy another one. You can't do that. You know, so I think the difficulty, again, is that they want to play these units, they have an expectation that this unit is definitely going to work, and then they get to the table, and it just doesn't work. And where do you where do you come in? Do you tell them beforehand? Do you kind of cramp their style? Do you cramp their fun and say, no, don't do it? I, I would say yes, because you save them the money. I think you try and steer them. Not... Not to say they don't get the units they love, because the other thing when it comes to Games Workshop's pathetic concept of balance is that um, they'll change it come the next edition of the Codex. So what's good now will be bad later, simply because mm -hmm. that way they'll shift more boxes. I, I used to not believe in this grand conspiracy theory, um, but I, I, I've given up now. Like that's It's what they do, goddammit. Well, I, I agree with that, but I also disagree with it. I think it's Whoever shouts the loudest about the thing that they want to be good will be made the best. Well, that, Such as the Riptide. Either way, Such they're the incompetent. Riptide. Either way, they don't do it properly. I've bitched about this before. Anyway, as is, I don't think you should tell people not to get the things they love. Because at the end of the day, that's what they'll have in their army for however long. And if you get models you don't like, or you weren't as keen on, then you won't be too happy playing them. And then when they're made bad, you have models you don't want. As is, yeah. what you should probably try and do is steer them to... Take the things they like and use them in a way that makes them a bit better or get other things that complement them. But even still, this is a huge problem. I, the unit I'll talk about is Meganobs. I love Meganobs. <laughs> Don't clip that. And they're a really cool unit. I really like the style. I love everything about the Meganob. But GW has hated them for a long time. And very fortunately, the 8th edition codex has turned it round and it's it's brilliant. You know, the sun is breaking through the clouds. I can see the future and it's mega knobs. Which is awesome for me. 
but I've definitely had the, the mega knobs in my back pocket, as it were, <laughs> for quite a while. Or and I really like the model, so I do have the better them. Yeah, rule of cool is always champion. But... Yeah, but the better example is chaos. Yeah. Chaos is kind <laughs> of sharpened by this. Oh, you want to play chaos space marines? Go buy some cultists. Yeah, that's that's really depressing. Especially yeah. because Chaos Space Marines used to be the bloody faction. They used to be amazing, because that's what they should be. They're and brutal, wonderful bastards. It was great. Well, let, let's talk about Chaos. Let's talk about the Chaos Codex and the expectation and the theme right now. Live. Okay, we, we can talk about ears. me getting into Chaos back when I was a nipper. Back when it was my first oh, faction. lad. <laughs> I was a wee lad. And why I wanted Chaos Space Marines is because Space Marines are cool. But, you know, having the evil ones with the scary, like, more angry-looking eyes and spikes everywhere, who have literal demon demons. gods, demons. are cooler. So I want them. So what I want, I want to go out and I want to get a whole bunch of the uh, Chaos Space Marines. I want to get some of their cool sort of semi-demonic units, like uh, like uh, Warp Talons. Fuck, if Warp Talons were out when I was younger, I would have bought so fucking many. As it's, I got Raptors, because Raptors were cool, back with the old metal model. I'd get some of the cool big HQ. I'd definitely get, like, because I got a Keep of Secrets back in the day. And nowadays, Raptors are shit. Warp Talons are goddamn awful. Chaos Space Marines do not get them, because they... Well, they're, they're technically okay. They're worse than Space Marines at what they do in that being a Space Marine. Cultists are good, but they're only when used correctly. And Greater Demons are generally best avoided if we're being perfectly honest, because they're in this weird oh, background yeah. of being not quite a demon Primarch, and, but way easier to murder. They're, they're certainly just bad. They're certainly just bad. I mean, the Keep of Secrets, interestingly enough, is Keep of Secrets is cheap. okay. Bloodthirst is okay as well. But yeah. Nurgle, no, no Great and Clean One's rubbish. The, the, the Lord of Change. Oh yes, they have access to a pitiful amount of spells, which the Thousand Suns do infinitely better. Or you can just get Magnus, who is way better. Oh, yeah, hang on, hang on. Let's, let's do that in a second. Let's tackle that in a second. Yeah. Chaos Space Marines should be all about the Space Marine, the Chaos Space Marine, the iconic unit of the Chaos Space Marine, uh, Terminators, because when they fled to the warp, they had a lot more Terminator suits than the Loyalists did. And they used them more willingly. And they used them far more willingly. And... This is something that I always found really awesome in the Chaos Space Marine lore. Is yeah, you have to think of it as these are the legions of old. Yeah, these are, guys are the same. people who fought the back then. Like, if you're lucky, you have some dreadnoughts who are this old. But a lot of these Chaos Space Marines did fight back in the heresy. Yeah, and that they should have like you know ter uh, representative of that on the tabletop. So the Chaos Space Marines should be cheaper than Space Marines in terms of points. But then they don't have like the same chapter tactics because instead synergy. of Yeah, they shouldn't have the synergy because instead of being disciplined soldiers, they are just superhuman, violent, revelists. This is you know, true who in, aren't... Their, in the leaders as well. Because most of their leaders you take them for their reroll auras of reroll ones to wound or reroll failed hits. Because that's exactly the same as what the Space Marines have, and the people who wrote the codex didn't care enough. Whereas back in the olden days uh, Chaos Space Marine leaders weren't very good at leading the people around them as in giving them buffs. They were just scary beat sticks. They were gods of close combat. 
gods. Yeah, they were fantastic and brutal and horrific. And they had things called demon weapons, which actually mattered. Whereas now, the only people with demon weapons are um, our big boy Horus and also the Dark Eldar. They have the Djinn Blade. Oh. It gives them, I think, a bunch of extra attacks and maybe one more strength. It's got like AP minus two or three, and on the roll of a one, whenever you attack with it, you take a mortal wound. Uh, Not okay. for every attack, but after every round of attacking with it. I mean, but it's a bit back, of shit. Back in the day, <laughs> and this this is what Chaos Basement should be. They should be an amalgamation of the demon and the superhuman physiology. That's what they should be. And therefore, loyalists shouldn't be able to stand toe-to-toe with, let's say, like, the Chaos Leadership. Like, the Chaos Space means, yeah, there's no Definitely, demon yeah. stuff going on with them. They're just, they are superhumans. Um, they are but Space, space Marine captain up against uh, an upgraded Space Marine captain up against an upgraded Chaos Champion. Chaos Champion, back in the olden days, would probably fuck him right over. Yeah. And also back in the day, Chaos Space Marine Terminators were quite a bit cheaper than Space Marine Terminators. So they're fielded, fielded more often. Which was, again, just a, a really nice bit of... Um, you know, synergy between the rules and the law. Whereas now, Chaos Space means, you, as Alan said, you just run cultists yep. or plague bearers. This is Don't the run the Marines. Do you want to play Thousand Sons? Well, um, don't get any of the Thousand Sons infantry. Get their leadership and get plague bearers. Maybe get the Zangors. Because their codex is more about the birds than it is the people. Than the bees. The bees, as it were. Yeah. Which is a, is a problem. Um, I think but, that that's slightly better law-wise, though. Because they is, are meant to be sorcerers. It is slightly and better summon, law-wise, but even then... Summoning demons is quite good. You would buy into the army. Like The cover of that book is a Thousand Sons Marine. Which, if you take any of them, in a semi-competitive environment, you'll probably be laughed at. Well, I, I don't think laughed at is the term. I think you'd just be badly beaten. Yes, you'd be badly beaten. And you, you're going to feel bad about your purchase. Unless you're weirdly going up against a lot of space marines. In which case, they're actually quite good. But the issue is that you're probably not going up against space marines if it's going to be semi-competitive. Yeah. And the other issue as well is that Zinch and Zinch demons. Now, I know that, yes, different codexes, they're written by different people. Or codices, written by different people. And it comes out at a different time. In 8th edition's history. Yep, so they have more time to mature and get more comfortable with what they can do with these rules. What is balance, what isn't. But they should know what the fuck the other members of the design team are doing. Ideally. So how is it that Zinch, the army, the codex, is better than Zinch demons at casting? By a huge margin. It's a hilarious margin. It is ridiculous and it just it hurts they have it more spells the spells are better they do it more reliably and the fucking cicatrix maledictum you know should make demons much more reliable should make demons more powerful because they can bring more of their essence if you will from the warp in with them it's mad warp warp power should be going crazy and counter to demons grey knights <laughs> uh, we've discussed it before we'll bring it up every time but you know, not lay down the sword. Why are the people made for fighting demons 
the fucking worst psychers. <laughs> also, why are they counted by demons right now? Sorry? They're actually kind of counted by demons right now. Yeah. Which is... The... What? Like, who was huffing what? the glue for that one? How? Look. Why is it that... The... I mean, I understand why it's in the demon codex, because it's cool. But there's a stratagem, which is you pay it, and then you place the unit back at full strength, back on the board if it was killed by a Grey Knight unit. This can be done for... I, I can't remember if it's a unit or if it's just the greater demons. Either way, you take a greater demon, you'll get it back at full health if a Grey Knight kills it. Yeah. That's just that's insane. insane. See, I would really like it if demons versus Grey Knights... Like, it could go either way. To show that the Grey Knights really are... You know, they do... They are at significant risk. But that's what's required to handle the demons. You know, the Grey Knights are spread very thin throughout the galaxy... Well, they're, they're represented by uh, being very spread through, uh, being very spread through. Fuck it, being very <laughs> spread thin by the fact that they're wildly overcosted. Yeah, um, <laughs> okay. That reflects that's... the danger of them fighting demons by the fact that they have nothing to fight them with. Yeah, but there's definitely a, a danger of going too thematic. Is that it becomes silly. But it'd be really fun on the tabletop, you know, if if the demons won as many times as they lost versus Grey Knights. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, because it shouldn't just be like my army beats yours. Can you imagine that if 40k was balanced? If people won as much as they lost, that'd be great. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that, that's an overly cynical view, to be to be honest. That's a you know, I, I'm not asking... I, I think the thing to point out here is that we're not asking for balance. We're just saying that if you I look am. at an army... All right, you... you I... I want... If you look at an army, yeah. you want the army to play how you expect it would. Yeah. And you see this a lot in the Reddit, and this is this is why we, we kind of brought up this topic, is because a lot of people say Tau. Now, I actually love the Tau Codex. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> if you listen to our episode on it, we gushed all over that thing. Both sections. Both sections. <laughs> um, it is beautiful. It is a beautiful codex in an otherwise eh, kind of codex era like you know uh, i can take it or leave it with a lot of the codices tower one is fucking great their army if you exclude the riptide their army is all about careful synergy working together using units to buff other units using stratagems using tactics you know controlled fire to to bring down a certain target it's all beautiful. It's all there. The Riptide and is a part of that. The only issue is is that it's great independent is... of it, and it just becomes absurd. Like it, it's more that it can fulfill any role is the issue. Whereas more of the Tau Codex is more specialized. I I think we should actually put a um, like one of those you know like those little vote systems on Reddit. How many people, you know, if you play a different race, what race is it, and would you take the Riptide in your army if what? you could? This was an interesting point. where It was an interesting point. It was a comment made on the internet where somebody said that, you know, the Tau are pretty good right now. And, you know, they have the Riptide. This was before the chapter approved changes. And one brave warrior took up his broadsword, his warhammer, some would say, and basically then decided to go, look, Tau are in a fucking awful place right now. The Riptide is the only thing propping them up. And... No other faction. Even that's even not good. No, yeah, yeah, even that's not good. No other faction would take the Riptide if they had the option to. 
which I call bullshit on. If you gave yeah. other factions access to the Riptide and Shield Drones, to be fair, there's really very few factions that wouldn't have it. I think it'd be very interesting how many people would take it. I honestly like, think... It, like, is, it is really good. Anyway, yeah, the Riptide is very, very strong. Uh, it, it definitely... It's something I don't like because it is just inherently strong in and of itself, whereas a lot of the Tau stuff relies on a little bit of synergy to get maximum value, which is great, which is good. Whereas like Chaos, Chaos should all be about hedonism. It should be about the individual. It should be about selfish plays. You know, instead of using all your units to support each other with fire, it should just be, I'm going for glory. And the rules should support that. The rules should indulge the player in that whole kind of selfish, make myself the, champ the champion make, of chaos. Make things individually more powerful, but reduce their synergy a bit. Yeah, like we're saying with the Chaos Space Marines, they don't get the tactics that the other Space Marines do, but they're cheaper, so you get more of them. Exactly. And then, like, Chaos Lords just make them more like beat sticks, and yeah, it's going to be a great time. Um, and then another thing you see an awful lot is people complain that their faction has a weakness. And I really, really hate that because sometimes GW does do changes based on uh, public opinion. And some of these are good. Some of these are very good. Some of these are terrible, terrible decisions. <laughs> uh, now and again. And if they made it so that the armies were, you know, less about their strengths and more about propping up their weaknesses and, okay, the orcs. The orcs aren't very good at shooting. I don't like that as a player. I want the orcs to be better. So then suddenly, the orcs all have four plus to shoot. But then the tower really upset because they're not as good at close combat as the orcs. So we give every fire warrior three attacks, hitting on threes. And suddenly, you lose the flavor of the army. And eighth edition definitely is in danger of that. It's a lot better. Like the orc codex certainly was a good one. But a few of the other ones, such as Admex, such as Necrons, they're a bit kind of generic. Also shite. Also shite. Like, there's not a lot of flavor going on. There's not a lot of rules. There's not a lot of, like, synergy or individual play. It's just kind of, here's the models, just play with them. It feels like an index book, basically. It really does. It's actually astounding. It's just the index book, plus the faction traits, plus warlord traits, plus relics. That's Which it. Which are very, very generic. There's nothing cool and interesting. No, it's like plus one attack for something. I don't know. Um, and I, I really dislike that because the factions having a play style is definitely incredibly fun. So when you have like, you know, multiple friends or just your local gaming store, whatever, where you get pickup games, if they were all Space Wolves, if they were all Chaos, you know, you just get tired of it whereas if there's an orc player there's an eldar player there's a dark eldar player you know it's all interesting it's all going on you know i mean there's we're not saying have only one play style for the faction but we should say no, no, that the faction not. should have definitely. more each faction should have better defined strengths and weaknesses whereas right now it's a little bit homogenous well i, I don't know i i think that the the more recent codexes codices are better yeah uh, the orc one definitely feels pretty darn flavorsome I do have to say, I do yeah, like the uh, the colors. the night one does a fantastic job of being flavorsome. Yep. So does the tau. Um, I know the tau. That tau one has some issues with flavor when it comes to the septs. A little bit. Just yeah. Little true. Bit. True. The, the septs are a little bit flavorless. As are you the... have one of the best traits in the entire fucking game. <laughs> they do. Which um, is just ridiculous. 
but yeah, then there's the okay, right. Let, let's let's do the prelude for next week. Then, because we've got a bit of time left, we can mention some of the funnier things we've picked up recently. Because next week we're going to be covering the one faction that really truly wins when it comes to theme and, and play how they're meant to be played, or how to play them in the most competitive way possible. And that winner is Dark Elder. It definitely is. Pretty much all of the the ways the lore depicts them. The Dark Elder, if you play them in that way, will do extremely well. So when it comes to the... Oh, they have like big raiding parties where they'll turn up in their raiders and venoms and ravagers and just a bunch of guys in there flying around causing havoc. If you play them like that, you're going to do well. You're going to do really well. But there's also a slightly more interesting question with the Dark Elder, in that when they came out, they were considered to be the most broken shit that ever came to be from Games Workshop. They are often heralded as being the single strongest monocodex, although people are now saying the tower and contention of that, thanks to chapter approved changes. And yet, they don't actually do too well when it comes to tournaments. And we think a lot of that is down to the... Dark Eldar play how you'd expect them to when it comes to thematically speaking. So when it comes to a more casual setting, the fact that the best units and the best way to play them is how they are written to work, how people say that they work in this manner, or how the, oh, sorry, how the law describes them as working, I think is a huge help. So when somebody turns up with their Space Marine army with some tactical marines and a rhino or two, the Dark Eldar would just shit on them. Yeah. And it definitely throws the, the balance off. Um, but I'm 100% in favor of the uh, the Dark Elder playing that way. And, you know, it, it's a great thing to see. But, you know, other factions do as well, like the Tau. Tau Orcs yeah. are very much a horde faction, which is great. Um, this codex definitely, you know, the balance is a bit off. They're definitely units that you don't use. Uh, yeah, that's true of every codex. Like, I'm not asking for every codex to have every single unit be viable, because that is too much of an ask. And I accept the fact there's going to be redundancy all over the place. But the thing that I do like is that with your codex, you have the war boss and the war trike, death killer war trike. And the death killer war trike incentivizes vehicles, the war boss incentivizes infantry. And that's really cool because it gives you the two different play styles right then and there with your heroes. Yeah. As is. So next week, we will be beginning a fairly deep dive through the Dark Eldar Codex. I'm not sure how deep we're going to go, but we'll go for it. What? The dive into Kamara. Yeah, we'll, we'll do fairly in-depth a look at the lore and also fairly in-depth look at the rules and we stuff. We will be basically the salamanders that crashed into the opponent of Azura Bell Vect. Is that his name? I just it, call him Vect. Uh, Vect. Just call him Smashing Vect. into the tower with their battle cruiser. That's us. We're the battle cruiser. And the salamanders. I'm confused. Okay, so. It's a story. As is, if. We look forward to that next week. As is, that. But it leaves us a little bit of time left over. Because I I ideally want this, you know, to be an hour at least. Because I feel that way it's a significant piece of people's time. And that way. That that sounds entirely like a negative. (laughs) I mean, this way it also. It's a significant amount of your life. You have to delegate. I mean, if they've gone this far, they would have, you know, a significant thing to sink their teeth into. And this way, if we get to over an hour, it means that we haven't had half the podcast be about War Machine. But it wasn't. It was a comparison. Now, it was a, a War Gamers sonnet to War Machine and 40K. All right. 
So some interesting things. First of all, um, Bell of Souls, they have a tournament app, which basically allows... Um, lets people organise their... Like, organise games and organise tournaments fairly easily. Now, this isn't reflective of the highest level of play, but it's reflective of an awful lot of play spread across uh, the hobby as a whole and may include some high-level play. And basically, they with this app, they've been keeping track of some trends. One of which is the most winning faction. And the most winning faction for 16 weeks in a row in games across the whole hobby, which is probably more casual games than competitive, had been knights. And there's a caveat here when they say that they were the winners for 16 weeks in a row. That caveat is they've only been tracking the most winning faction for those 16 weeks. So they're probably being the, winning the most long before that as well due to the way that they require an army to have a good answer for them, otherwise they just the enemy just loses. And most people don't have a good answer for them. They have actually been dethroned. And that is by the Tau. Weirdly enough. Hell yeah. So, for Hell a lot yeah. of people who say that Tau are underpowered, no. No, they're not. I think they are the strongest monocolor in the game. Definitely. I think Tau versus any singular codex, which codex really beats them? There's the argument that Dark Eldar can maybe do it, because Dark Eldar's extremely quick and then has some fairly good answers to their stuff. But the, the missile hand, side. The, if the, say again? Missile side buffs. I say missile side buffs are deadly as all balls. And also... I think it's game-changing in that matchup. Game-changing. Not even then, but if you're taking Venoms, Venoms have a toughness of five. Do you know what has a strength of five? Every Tau gun. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, minus one to hit. They're only hitting on fives and sixes. Do you know how much firepower the Tau have? Also, the Riptide has strength six, damage two, weaponry. That fucking annihilates Although, most of the paper boats Dark Eldar can bring to bear. <laughs> Is it, isn't it more um, that the Dark Eldar can wound the ride on twos, though, isn't it? Only fours. They'll wound it on a four because it's not a vehicle. So all the guns, which are like assault rifles, will wound a Riptide on a four. The Ript but they have no AP. The Riptide has a two-plus armor save. Yeah, and a lot of wounds. I think Tau are definitely top tier. I hope that people kind of switch onto that a little bit more. I think a lot of the ne negativity of the Tau has subsided. I think there's a stupid amount of positives. And, you know, I'm really tempted... For us to just to make a towel list for you to use in a tournament, yeah, no, I, and just stomp it. Because I have, I, I, I mean, there was a list I, I came sounds, up with. I know it sounds cocky, but I think it can be done. Oh, I think like, there's so much stuff that you can do with the towel that people just aren't. You know, well, maybe they are doing, but they're not. You know, speaking loudly about it. Um, but all the sort of screening tricks you can do using the crew hounds and stuff like that, you know, people don't really seem to be doing that. truly filthy stuff that you can do. Like, I, I sort of came up with a list for a tournament. Just because I, I was bored, had a bit of free time, I was like, oh, with the new changes, um, here's what I would do to get, like, the most stompy stuff. Like, I made my ideal list and went, okay. And from there, I'll have to take stuff out to fit in drones to make it 2,000 points. I was wrong. <laughs> it turns out that my like sort of ideal list ended up being at around like 1,800. There was enough space around that to do whatever the fuck I wanted. And even then, that's not the only way to play Tau. Like that, that was a sort of suit-heavy form of doing it. I saw a recent um, 
Tau list that was pretty much completely mechanized, which was kind of gorgeous. Because it, it was just a lot of uh, devilfish, another devilfish um, chassis stuff, so like the hammerhead and the skyray. And it was vicious. I bet it looked beautiful on the tabletop as well. Oh, no, I, I will have to send you a link for that. It was all done in urban camo, and it looked gorgeous. Ooh. Like, it was clear it was speed-painted, because there was plenty of bits where, like, detail was missing. But it just looked gorgeous as a whole, on the whole. In the whole. Uh, other interesting points? Other than that, we have... Where's, where's that gone? We also have the uh, new Age of Sigma army coming out. I can't remember its name. Uh... Am I excited for that? I'm not an Age of Sigma player, neither are you. No, there's the Night Goblins not coming out. I know people are excited for that, but we've covered that. We've covered that. The what's wrong? We covered the Night Goblins happening. What's the other one? What's the new one for? Is it what? Is it the? Who is it that Age of Sigma is getting? What it's is the this? Gloom Spire Gits, which are basically um, the Night Goblins, aren't they? Oh, oh they, there is the new book, Urban Conquest, coming out for 40k. Don't forget. I'm hyped for uh, that. I am definitely hyped for that. We need to get hold of, um, a copy of Bloody Vigilus. We do. Uh, I've looked through the PDF. I've read the PDF, but I do not own the book. You can't tell them that. Look, we've read a friend's copy. We've read a friend's copy. This man happens to live across the other side of the globe, and he sent it electronically, but we think that's fine. Yeah, that, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. That's um, fine. Just reference we... material. Shall we bring up that, that one man's player behaviour now? The funny bit we mentioned earlier. We got time. Yeah, go on. Yeah, go on. Time. Look at it. It was a tease earlier, and we told you that we wouldn't get it today. But you will! We lied. Okay. <laughs> so, you fell for the old ruse. <laughs> <laughs> There's a thing on the competitive subreddit, which is basically asking, what was the um, most powerful monocodex army, or how would you structure your tier list? And, you know... There's a fair bit of discussion in there, and it, it was pretty, pretty polite. Like there was sometimes there was some space marines were top lists, and people would say no. Sometimes well, sometimes in a kind of dickish manner. As you fucking pleb. Nobody was that bad All until right. one hero turned up. Where... Is hero the correct word? Um, no, no. Basically, when somebody was saying that um, space marines were in a bad place, and they are competitively speaking not so much um in casual games but competitively they definitely are like just space marines by themselves as monocodex and also saying that uh, death watch also fairly badly off one person steps in with huh because i just tabled uh turned four tabled a pure knights list with six knights three were super heavies and three armages playing as pure Death Watch, and lost about eight veterans total from my army. Now, this is problematic, um, mainly because it's already a little bit of a dickish tone, in that it's kind of a, uh, you're wrong. It's then wrong based on purely anecdotal evidence. And what's more, the purely anecdotal evidence, I'm... Fairly sore, you're sure you have. I'm fairly sore. Uh, <laughs> I'm fairly sure you have better odds of winning the lottery than this happening. Reliably, <laughs> reliably winning the lottery. I mean, what he said was well, it, it insane. gets better. It's it insane. Better. It, it's no, insane. No, 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 don't go further for a second. Okay, yeah. Let's look at that in isolation. 
okay, in a one game scenario, <laughs> you have to be so far on the fucking bell curve that the statistics have just done an absolute shitstorm. I've the lady with the scales is not only blind, she's tone deaf and she's fallen over. <laughs> I I That's have the, I have what? Death Watch Codex. I have done my best to try and think of a truly mono Death Watch competitive list. And it's fucking difficult, okay? Like they have problems. This was before chapter approved, and this person will explain that it this is after chapter approved changes that they were able to perform this feat. As is, what the actual fuck? Okay, so um, someone steps pretty mad. in. Pretty mad. Someone steps in, and they don't. They're not immediately causing a problem. It's dot dot dot. Why are you running Leviathans by any chance? Leviathans, for those of you who don't know, are some Forge World dreadnoughts, which are extremely tough and almost as good as knights, possibly better than knights. And Death Watch would be able to deep strike them in wherever they need and do a lot of damage. So it's not a reasonable, sorry, it's not an unreasonable question, and it's trying to make sense of you know um, how how they how they made this happen because they're not saying you're a liar, which was my reaction my, when I read this was you're a liar. Yeah, it's it sounded entirely made up. It's like yeah. saying I did a three sixty backflip and kicked a guy because he said that Tau weren't the best thing ever, and then the whole shop applauded. <laughs> That's yeah, sort of like... It really It's is. like that sort of stuff, yeah. Like, it does read that way. Um, okay, so this this guy comes back with a reasonable comment. Uh, no, all vets Love with items. two watch captains, and a Libby with a Vendred. 1,750 points. I immediately have questions. So, the only vehicle he has is a Vendred. Venerable Dreadnought. Venerable Dreadnought. And he has a lot of leaders, which are really expensive. Or these used to be. They may be less expensive now. They probably are less expensive now. But they're still going to be quite costly for the Death Watch player. And, okay, so what what was doing the tank hunting? So, so someone else steps in just going, oh, so you did 110 wounds using, I'm guessing, lots of Storm Bolters, whilst only losing eight wounds for your entire force in four turns several times. You should do battle reports, because I would actually love to see how something like that works. Okay, okay. That, that's... That's a fine... Again, that's a fine comment, because for how Death Watch function, Storm Bolters are the most standard way to try and get value out of their, their veterans. Because you can basically get those storm bolters wounding anything that isn't a vehicle on a two plus, so that is. It's also your best option versus knights, I think. I don't know if it's your best option versus knights, but when it comes to building your Death Watch list as an all uh, take all comers, you're definitely running these bastards, or maybe Primaris. And then this man, oh, this this is the point. This is why we're bringing it up beyond just the silly claim. The man making the silly claim comes back, and he clearly broke out his thesaurus. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah. oh, there's numerous points where in this, he's clearly trying to show off how much of a greater vocabulary a man of such substantially larger lofty intellect lofty and intellect. Ob- obviously greater tactical acumen, how uh, how one such as him understands these matters greater than uh, an individual who has not actually studied um, the rules as much as he has. 
Hence for with. <laughs> okay, so here we go. That is the way in which I am going, <laughs> and such I will go. So let's do this. This this is this is why I saw this. I was like, I need to tell Henry. I, we need to do this on the podcast. Dear okay. God, man, Stormbolters? Okay. No, not even. I had three Stormbolter <laughs> kill teams that held objectives and did nothing else the entire time. Not even shoot. I can see you have an extremely cursory understanding of how a Death Watch army can function, and while I will give you the benefit of the doubt that you have at least a moderate grasp of the rules of the game, you obviously haven't a clue about the ramifications of the chapter-approved changes yet. No. Try 108 wounds via 30 plasma weapons with full rerolls to hit, rerolling wounds of one with plus one to wound, brackets only on a single t- unit a turn, close brackets, comma, a slam captain, and Las Vendred, comma, all doing the above. Also, quick quick aside, when I say this man's breaking out the thesaurus and showing off his big words, he's not quite using them properly, and he also isn't quite making sentences properly. That that's, This it's, is key when it comes to him flexing his intellect. But to continue... No, no, that's, that's because it's so huge, he can just reform <laughs> the English language as he goes. <laughs> Henceforth! And losing eight vets from judicious use of line-of-sight blocking terrain coupled with an almost entire <laughs> army-wide 3 plus plus, 6 plus plus 6 plus 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 equivalent. That would be a 3 plus invulnerable and 6 plus feel no pain. I will, of course, say my saves were on point. Most of my losses were from Titanic feet. Comma... But being you don't have to do comma but anyway, but being able to fall back and shoot while also deleting priority targets that could shoot like a warlord crusader helped stem the tide that could damage me. Comma coupled with the fact that with the Helverin auto cannons and rapid fire battle cannons a variable shot. He then begins a sentence with and. <laughs> I didn't mean I didn't come here to stop commenting on this man's grammar, but damn it, hit that's where we're at. And I'm pretty sure. I'm sorry. Yeah, but as, as soon as you open up the floodgates by saying I'm a fucking intellectual. Hang on. People are going to have a little look at it. He, he, gets, he gets worse. Oh, <laughs> but, God. But to finish this one off, and I'm pretty sure I mentioned my first game I lost more vets, comma, about two full squads, my dread, and a captain. Still happy with that since it's about half the army. I could give you an almost exact blow-by-blow blow as I did take some hasty notes during the battle rounds. Right. Right. Okay, the thing I love about this is the guy was offered two outs he was offered two outs like he was offered two outs and both times he's like no double up double down (laughs) no no not only did i do a 180 backflip and kick this guy with the whole shop applauding i also caught cream cone that i was holding i threw it up in the air did the backflip kicked him someone said are you sure someone else didn't hold the ice cream cone no not only that my ferrari smashed through the shop completely unharmed and the and police turned up and high-fived me for being cool and they applauded me they and... arrested the other guy for catching my foot with his face okay like uh, to be fair to this guy to be fair to this guy i think he probably felt ambushed that somebody would then kind of challenge him oh, however, the however you don't have to reply you don't have to reply and um, he did and i don't he think you have to be force. Yeah, I don't think you have to be an ass and insult people. And I know that we're, you know, wankers. We sound like wankers. Oh, no, we, um, we, we will say very inflammatory things when discussing things like balance or the state of the game or each other. But we wouldn't actually do that to other people. For example, if we'll complain about a certain type of player, like if they feel this, then they're a dick. If we went up against a person who did feel that kind of place, we wouldn't just go, you're a dick. We wouldn't just yeah, have a go yeah, at them. Yeah. 
we do that for comedic effect or because it's entertaining. We hope. <laughs> we hope. It may just sound as though we are two people with vendettas against the world. Yeah, these guys really feel passionate about the game. <laughs> I will kill anyone that beats me. <laughs> but the okay, the manner in which he claims he's done this is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, forget the guy. Forget the guy completely yeah, from the equation. Talk. Let's just talk. Talk models. Talk dice. How if, the fuck does that happen? <laughs> it doesn't. Like it, The plasma weapons, he's not mentioning Primaris. He's not mentioning Hellblasters. And if he was mentioning Hellblasters, he would have not got the rest of an, the army. Like the, the Hellblasters are ridiculously expensive. So it's going to be vets with uh, plasma guns. First of all, credit to him. Getting that many plasma guns for all your vets, that's got to be difficult. Second of all... They have a range of 24 inches. So the turn where you can shoot them, the knights are going to be potentially up in your grill that very same turn. Because knights are ridiculously fucking quick. What's more is the knights outrange you. How he ever killed the Helverins, because he says Helverins. Helverins have a range of 60 inches, and they move 14 inches a turn without penalty to firing. There is no way he shot this off the board. Within I think math- mathematically speaking, he can kill one full-blooded knight a turn. He can. If you do the maths on it, you look at his army, he can kill one knight a turn. So let's say he goes Equate to about like 26 hits, if you're re-rolling threes, shall we say. Um, wounding on fives, with plus one to wound... Um, Oh, yeah, so wounding on five, plus one, two, so wounding on fours. Uh, so that'd be, what? So it's 13.3333 wounds on a knight, which is two damage overheating. And you go, well done. That's enough with your plasma weapons. No, because they will have a four plus and vulnerable save, whatever you're shooting at. Maybe a three plus, depending well, on which one it is. I mean, there's two options here, though. <laughs> maybe the Death Watch player was playing with loaded dice. Potentially. And maybe the other guy was, instead of throwing dice, he just threw a bag of spanners. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, a, that's the only way this could have happened, as he claims it to have done. Which, as is, just no, it, it's not happened. And th- there's a little bit more. There's a little bit more. <laughs> oh, God. Someone saying, you know, like trying to be insulting because I'm trying to make sense of your ludicrous tale is just funny. Not even taking into account you took down six knights in four turns several times, only losing eight wounds in four turns is hilarious. Yeah, just losing eight wounds from knights is hilarious. GG, mate. He replies... I look, uh, look, you may not be enjoying the segment of he replies, he said, but damn it, it's funny. Look, you were the one who opened up with a hostile, dismissive and argumentative attitude. Don't get spun around because you can't take a tiny amount of rub back. What does, what does rub back mean? Yeah, I love that rub back. Don't get spun around because of rub back. What? what? And you'll what? note I've told you several times now that was one game, the other of which was the first go and went to round five and I lost half my army before tabling the knights. Maybe don't wildly extrapolate whatever the hell you want from a few sentences of the internet without first asking for all the details before you froth at the mouth. To be fair, the fact that he says... <laughs> Wait, what was it? Didn't get spun around because you got a bit of rub Because you can't take a tiny amount of rub back. <laughs> I think that says to me that this guy's probably a decent person in real life. The fact that he didn't just say fuck you or something. No, I, I, don't, I think he's not saying fuck back. you because he's trying to show off how big and smart he is. All right, I've got to remember that for the next time I need to look smart. 
Oh God, did, there's did more. You just put diesel oh. in your petrol car. God, hey. there's more. I didn't. I didn't follow the rest of. The, oh my God, there's more. Hang on, we'll go into that later. All right, fuck it. But no, we're going to it now. No. Oh, okay. We'll do oh, one more, one more, and then we'll call it a day. Because at this point, it's just become bullying. Come on, you can't pick on them forever. Okay, no, We've it's basically done... them trying to justify the maths by saying that, you know, oh, well, 60 shots, uh, forcing a 4 plus 20, trying to say that it can be done. And you go, well, you know, no. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I mean, I don't mind you saying it can be done. I don't yeah, mind you yeah, saying yeah. I can high roll and kill a knight. Yep, that's fine. But then to require high rolling for three turns and then moderate to high rolling for another three turns to kill all six knights. But not only that, it's in four turns. So yeah. that is very high rolling. Very, very high rolling for four okay. turns consistently with your opponent literally throwing spanners. <laughs> yeah, literally doing nothing to you. It's, literally doing nothing. It's absurd. Like, it's the form, ridiculous. the eight models he lost were probably just from overheating. Did the knight player not know he was playing 40k or something? <laughs> like... He just I, arranges his models on a table and this guy just starts playing a game while he's just talking to someone else. I just beat you, good sir. I'm really spinning sp around and wrap one half. What? The issue here is basically the reason why I bring it up is A for the shitty attitude. Yes, we have a shitty attitude back at the person, but that's because Yeah. Because well, we're shits. We're shits, but we take the bullet. Yeah. But basically in that he his reaction to somebody voicing their opinion was to become a snob and tell them that they're wrong. They then also made up a ridiculous tale to make themselves sound good. <laughs> I love the tale. I love the tale. It's absurd. It just gets more absurd every time as well. It's, like, just... it's better than, I think, uh, Shadow Sword kills a knight in a round of shooting. I think it's a better tall tale than that. It's Yeah, far better. Far better. Um, at least it, the Shadow Sword is feasible. It's a big tank. That yeah. makes sense. And what's more is that what he's trying to say is just... Damaging for newer players as well. In that if you saw this man saying, yeah, Death Watch can reliably kill knights, and you weren't sure which faction you wanted to get, and you liked any Space Marine faction, maybe you liked something like Space Wolves a bit more, but you were concerned that maybe they don't do too well on the table. Then someone says, Death Watch. Death Watch kill knights, and they can handle anything. That's going to really cause problems, because they'll get an army they weren't as keen on, and it doesn't perform in that way. Yeah. Plus, I, I don't know. I I think people should have just a less shitty attitude in general. I know we're shitty. Have yet, we just spent 15 but, minutes shitting on this man? But just le less shitty between people. Yeah. You know, like if, if the discussion is open, just have a simple discussion. Like way too many people get upset when people produce maths. <laughs> and... <laughs> Hang on, I love the maths, because you can't really argue with the maths. If the average is this, then that's just the average. That is just the average, you know, and take what you want from that. But when people argue that that is wrong and that the Shadow Sword does one-shot a knight, you can do this Death Watch list, which always, only, ever takes eight wounds. You know, now you're just being silly. And then people get insulting. Or it, you know, don't choose Warhammer to be the hill you die on. Yeah. It's, you know, don't, it says don't the two people who went out and formed a podcast because they were unhappy with Reboot Gilliman. Damn it, Reboot Gilliman will be <laughs> the hell I die. <laughs> that's, that's a worthy cause, though. Come on, come on. 40k. Okay, 40k. That hell we die on. 
it's yeah it's all it's all a hill to die but don't don't fall out with people over it you know yeah. just just be nice to each other have a few games have a few beers a few brewskis if you're old enough to have a few brewskis if you're old enough please don't drink if you're driving and listening to the podcast <laughs> see that's what it's about it's a public service announcement disguised as a warhammer we'd, podcast. we'd like to thank um alcoholics drink for sponsoring this episode drink to away. try and raise awareness for drink driving don't do it as a waste for it. It's a lot of fun. Nobody gets hurt. <laughs> Have you tried doing a few shots before driving? Mellows you out, you know? Yeah, it takes takes the edge off. No. No, don't do <laughs> don't that. Do it. Right, don't and do on that it. surprisingly positive note for change, I guess welcoming in the new year. Um shame we didn't do that last week. Uh <laughs> we'd like to say thank you and uh goodbye until next week. Bye.